Last week we started a, a series on the life of David, focusing on the fact that in the Bible David is referred to as being a man after God's own heart. And so we're looking at what does it mean to be men and women after God's own heart. Just as a matter of interest, how many people here in this auditorium this morning have been to the land of Israel? Wow, that's good. Okay. We had the uh, fortune of, of going there about three years ago, at about this time of the year. And when we went there, it, it was turbulent times in Israel. It was a time when cars were driving into groups of people. And we ended up staying with some friends that used to live in New Zealand, south of Jerusalem, 20 k's south of Hebron, quite close to Masada, which you can see on the screen, and the Dead Sea, which there should be a picture of. And um, so while we were there, we were in this little settlement that was really illegal. It was in Palestinian territory. And we could look out from where we were staying, and we could look across the desert, and we would see shepherds with their flocks of sheep moving through the country. There is a slide of the sheep and the shepherd. And um, it made us sort of understand what things must have been like for David as he was out there with those sheep. We were also quite close to Hebron, and in Hebron is the tomb or the burial cave of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as well as Sarah and Rebekah and Leah. And so there's uh, the cave of Machala, and uh, they've turned it in. There's a big argument between the Palestinians and uh, the Christians as to whether that should be a church or whether it should be a mosque. And so there's a sort of a compromise, and you can go into that building and you can see that cave. So last week we talked about how David had defeated Goliath. And after David defeated Goliath, his life was drastically changed. He married the king's daughter. He was invited into the throne room to play his harp to soothe King Saul's emotions. He was put into the army, and he was a very good general in the army. In fact, the people of Israel had a chant in Samuel where they said, David has, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Another thing that David did as soon as he had defeated Goliath was he chopped off David, uh, Goliath's head. And there's a slide about that. And he took that head of David, of Goliath, all the way to Jerusalem. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why did he take the head of Goliath to Jerusalem? Well, in Jerusalem, there was a Jebusite fortress on Mount Zion. 
And it was a bit like Masada that we saw a slide of before. It was impenetrable. It had steep sides, and in those days you couldn't get to it. And I suspect that David took Goliath's head to Jerusalem. He's put a stake in the ground opposite the entrance to that fortress, and he yelled out to them and said, you guys are next, because... We'll tell you the story a bit later on of what happened when David became king. And so, because David was so popular, Saul hated him. And Saul was jealous of the support and favour that David had with the people. And so Saul determined that he was going to kill David. And so David had to flee from the palace. And he went off into the wilderness and he stayed at a cave called the Cave of Abdullah. And when his family found out that he was there, they all came to visit him. And also there were a lot of what we would call rejects in society. If we read this verse, it says, David ended up in the cave, cave of Abdullah where his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men came to him. So all the rejects, all the people that were struggling in society who felt that they didn't fit, they came and joined with David. But just imagine trying to feed 400 people when you're in a cave in the middle of the wilderness. And so there was an Israelite town called Kala that was attacked by the Philistines. And so David and his men went to Kala to defend Kala from the Philistines. But Saul had started to hunt David down. And they knew that Saul was approaching Kala. And so David inquired of the Lord and said, If Saul comes to Kayla, will the people of Kayla hand me over to Saul? And the Lord said, They will. And so David had to leave. So first of all, David was rejected by Saul and his, fa and his family, Saul's family, at the palace. Now he's been rejected by the people of Kayla whose city, town, he actually defended and protected. He then realised that he was safer in Philistine territory than he was in Israel. And so he went and lived in a town in Philistine territory called Ziklag. And every night, David and his men would go out raiding nearby cities. And the king of the Philistines thought that he was doing that to help them. But in actual fact, David was raiding towns that were the enemies of Israel. And so David found favour in the eyes of the king of the Philistines. And then the Philistines were going to go to war against Israel. And the king of the Philistines thought, well, because Saul hates David, David and his men will come and fight for us. And so David was off to do battle against Israel with the Philistines. 
when some of the princes of the Philistines said, hey, we can't trust this guy. What if he turns on us and he fights against us? And so even the Philistines rejected David. And David was sent back to Ziglag. And as he's on his way back to Ziklag with his mighty men, he sees smoke on the horizon where his town is. And he gets to Ziklag and finds that it's been invaded by the Amalekites. And the Amalekites have taken all of their wives and children, taken all of their possessions. But you know, sometimes God intervenes in our lives. If David had gone off to war and not come back, he wouldn't have been able to do anything about the situation. But when David's mighty men saw that their wives and children had been taken away, they blamed David and they wanted to stone David. Here's David, the guy that's rescued these guys from being losers and taught them skills and gave them prominence and a future and they reject him as well. So what did David do in that situation? It says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. He could have got angry with his guys, but he decided that he was going to seek the Lord. And he sought the Lord. Now, I don't know how you strengthen yourself in the Lord. What do you do when something really bad happens, when you really want to feel close to God, when you've got things you need to ask God about. And so David got away, spent time with the Lord. And the Lord said, pursue after the Amalekites and you will catch them. So David and his men, they went out after the Amalekites. They caught up with them. They ambushed them. They took back all of their possessions and their wives and their families took them back to Ziklag. Well, in that battle with the Philistines, King Saul and two of his sons were killed. And in the next chapter, David was made king of Israel. And at that time, the palace was in Hebron, which was where I showed you the cave of Abraham and Sarah. And David lived in the palace in Hebron for seven years. And then he took his men to Jerusalem, to where this fortress was of the Jebusites, on Mount Zion, which was the place where God wanted to be his holy hill, where ultimately the temple would be built and where David's palace would be built. But there was this fortress there. And you know, if you are in a fortress, one thing that you really need is a water supply. And so there were the Gihon Springs that went, there was a vertical water shaft going down from the fortress to the Gihon Springs. And there was also tunnels through the rock. And David said to his men, if one of you guys can work your way up through that water shaft and get into the fortress. I will make you my armour bearer. And Joab shimmied up the water spout. And he gets into the fortress and he unlocks the gate for the fortress 
And all of David's men come into the fortress, overthrow the fortress. And then David had possession of Mount Zion. And so David moved to Mount Zion, built a new palace for himself on Mount Zion. Amazing story how God guided him. And God opened doors that had been closed in all sorts of ways. But just think of uh, all of those rejections that David had gone through. First he was rejected by Saul. Then the people of Calah. Then his own men. And you know, all of those rejections came after times of personal success. Something good had happened in David's life. He was happy. He was triumphant. And then suddenly, the bottom fell out of his world. But God was training David in leadership. David spent 13 years running from Saul. It's hard to suffer rejection without being hardened and wounded by it. Rejection can lead us to put up walls to protect ourselves from further rejection. And so David's response to his rejection, as we said, was he strengthened himself in the Lord. So how do you respond when you encounter rejection, difficulty, opposition and calamity? When we embrace our difficulties and take them to the Lord, he strengthens and grows us. David didn't justify himself. He just sought the Lord. And the Lord told him what to do. You know, after David defeated Goliath, he probably thought this is the biggest threat. This is the most powerful person in this area of the world. But later on in his life, other giants showed up. And First Chronicles chapter 20 tells us that those other giants were all related to that original giant, Goliath. One of them was Goliath's brother, and two of them were the sons of Goliath. David probably looked at these other giants and thought, I killed you. What are you doing back here? They looked like Goliath. They probably smelt like Goliath. They probably fought in the same way that Goliath did. And in a similar way, we may also have successful victories in life. We've battled against fear, sickness, depression, rejection, and other evil forces. And we believe that the Lord delivered us from our giants. But a few months or even years later, the old symptoms return. They're worse than ever. If our battle was with a relationship, it may seem that all that progress that we've made has been lost. And so these negative experiences can drain our faith. 
and a spiritual paralysis can come upon us. We still may come along to church, but our faith is less responsive than it used to be. And when other people testify of their healing, we might think, oh, I bet that won't last. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sink, makes the heart sick. When good things happen, but they're taken away, or when you're expecting good things and they don't arrive, that's when your heart becomes sick. That's when you start feeling depressed. And so how can we trust God if it seems as though God has let us down? We wonder, why did I lose my breakthrough? Or was I just kidding myself when I thought I had a breakthrough? In reality, it's highly possible that we're experiencing an entirely new spiritual battle. It's not a loss of God's victory. It's just the deception that Satan uses as he tries to worm his way back into the lives of those whom Christ has delivered. Just because we've be defeated a giant in the past doesn't mean that we won't have more encounters with giants in our future. Don't buy into the lie that you never won that first battle. By grace, you trusted the Lord. You conquered your Goliath. Believe that that first Goliath, that first giant, is dead. Because Satan masquerades as our former enemy. And so he desires to slip past our faith and to regain entrance into our lives. Ephesians 6 verse 11 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. To put on God's armour that will protect us so that we will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Having done all to stand, keep standing. As long as you're standing, you're fighting the battle and you're going to be victorious. If you give up, if you lie down, you will lose. And in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Don't lose faith, people. It is your faith that will protect you. We carry the shield of faith. Satan is forever hurtling arrows and spears, fiery darts at us. As long as we've got faith, we hold up our shield of faith. We block that fiery dart and it can't get through. But if we lose faith, we're easy prey to the enemy. Are you intimidated and frightened by something that you're going through at the moment? There are great challenges in this world, but there is incredible potential in God's church today. Like David, we can release the power of God and see God triumph over his enemies. God will equip us to prepare us for the battles that lie ahead. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. 
For great, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. If you want God to use you, you've got to be weak. It was in those times of weakness, his mighty men were going to stone him. It was the end for David. But because he had faith and because he cried out to God, God's power came upon him. And so in those times of weakness, cry out to God, believe in God. He will empower you. And people will know it's God. You're not doing it in your own strength. God can only use us when we deny ourselves, when we push our own selfish ambition to the side and we embrace him. God desires us to be robust and strong and to shine brightly for his kingdom. Isaiah 60 verses 1 and 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. We are living in an age of gross darkness. There is all sorts of stuff going on around us. But it is in the darkness that our lights will shine as we press into the Lord. And so as we move into a time of communion, let's reaffirm our faith and our relationship with the Lord. Let's confess any fear, vulnerability and failure. Let's thank Jesus for all that he's done for us. Be determined in your heart and your mind that you will serve him and he will give you wisdom knowledge, courage, and strength to enable you to become a mighty man or woman in the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, help us to realize that it is in the place of gross darkness that our lights shine the brightest. May we not be weighed down by fear, by failure, difficulty and rejection, Help us to strengthen ourselves in you whenever we face discouragement. We thank you, Jesus, that you were rejected and that you bore our shame so that we might be forgiven and receive your life. You are the light of the world and we desire to be like you as we give thanks for your sacrifice on the cross for us today. All of you who know and love the Lord, are invited to participate of communion. And so, as our worship team lead us in song, come up, take the bread, take the wine, sit down and talk to the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and he will manifest himself and speak to you. Amen.